0: Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Phil Alessi about disciple-making movements in the prison system. But before we talk to Phil, we're going to listen in on a report that was done on the ministry in the
1: Indiana State
0: Prison System.
1: When I go into that prison, any of them, I know exactly what they're thinking about. I know what
2: they feel like. I know what they're going through. I don't want to see people out there killing each other no more or out there sounding dope or, you know, I mean, they don't need to do that. I mean, I did it, everybody did it. You know, I just want to see everybody change, you know? And if I change, I can see them changing, you know?
3: Ruth Ann and I have been in ministry together for uh, somewhere around 45 years together. and. Um, We have seen God at work, but this is really the first time that we've seen uh, movements happen where there are hundreds of people from outside the church that are finding the Lord. Our ministry uh, here uh, started around 2009. Uh, We heard about somebody in a local jail that uh, that wanted to meet with me. I first met Donnie uh, because of the relationship that he had with my son. Donnie had asked if uh, I would come in and uh, meet with him, uh, and that was the start of it. I was limited to meeting with one person a week. So what happened fortunately after that, I would meet with one person, that started out being, being Donnie. And he would go back to uh, the cell where he was, where uh, uh, somewhere between 40 and 60 other men would be. And he would gather with five to ten other men that were interested in learning what he learned. Chris uh, and Donnie were, were bunkies. And so there was a lot of conversations going on in the cell about what was going on with the time between Donnie and I. And Chris was one of the first people that Donnie set up uh, to meet with individually. Chris was a, a tough kid from a tough neighborhood in Hammond, Indiana.
2: Okay, my name is Chris Langwinski, I'm from Hammond, Indiana. I was on C8, it's called a gladiator dome back when I was in it '09. 09. <clears throat> he used to be the mean pod. It used to be the bad one, everybody fought, this and that. One day, uh, Donnie Mills came in there. You know, he was, he was my bunkie for a little bit. And then I got moved upstairs, because we got in a fight. I went to the hole, came back, got moved. And uh, one day he left. I'm like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm gonna go talk to a, a guy named Phil. And I'm like, who's that, a detective? Are you snitching? He's like, nah, just wait till I get back. I'm like, all right. So about 45 minutes went by, he, he came back. He came back with a Bible. He's like, hey, Chris, man, come in the room with me. So we went in the room, and did Bible study, just meet him. We did it. I liked it. Every day, we did it for two, three times a day, just meet him. Then it ended up to three people. Then it ended up to four people. By the end of the week, we had almost a whole pod in there. So we did Bible study every day. We had the whole pod going. We had people want to get baptized. The whole pod turned into, instead of a gladiator dorm, they called it the, uh, the God dorm. Because they went from all gangbangers, drug dealers. See, it used to be the pod with like, the, the gang members, the drug dealers, murderers, and it turned into a, like a Christian pod, you know? It was kind of cool. Chris and uh, his wife,
3: Kelly, are actually the, the first and the clearest example of what it's like for somebody to come out of jail Uh, who finds the Lord and they're a person of peace that brings the Lord to uh, their several generations of their
2: family, uh, to their friends and and people in their neighborhood. I don't turn nobody away. You know, I've been there, I've done it all. I watched a lot of people get hurt, a lot of people die in front of me, you know, and and I never believed in one day I believe, you know? I feel like God wanted me to do this change change my life to help other people. I just want to see, like, us build up a, a big group of all people that were all bad this and, that, and watch them go around and turn into a whole different person, you know? You know, I just want to see everybody change, you know? And if I change, I can see them changing, you know? I just want to see myself one day walking into Phil's church or, my, or me with them and be like, Man, Phil, we, we built this church from the ground up. And look at all these people. They're all convicts. And look at them now. They all believing in the Lord.
1: My name is Scott Heiberger. Uh, Just a little backstory on my life. Um, I grew up in Michigan City. Uh, I was in and out of trouble right from a very young age. I ended up going to prison four different times and just in and out, couldn't stop drinking and using drugs. Uh, And then, you know, my fourth time around in prison, I just surrendered my life to Christ. Shortly after meeting Donnie back in
3: 2009, uh, I heard about uh, Scotty, who reached out to me saying that he'd like to meet with me. And so I went to the jail. Uh, I brought a Bible with me, uh, passed it along to him. And
1: Scott and I really only met a couple times. When I was in the county jail, I asked to receive a Bible, and Phil got a Bible to me that was uh, a commentary Bible uh, that helped me make more sense of the things that were in the Bible. Scotty is one of
3: those uh, rare individuals that makes the complete circle who Uh, is in jail, goes to prison, gets out, but then God paves the way for him to go back in prison, not as a re-offender,
1: but as a
3: pastor and missionary.
1: When I go into that prison, any of them, I know exactly what they're thinking about. And I was there, and I know what they're feeling, and now God has brought me out, and I just feel like that He is, you can't take somebody that you've never been, and God has pulled me out of that mess, to come back to say look I know the way out and this is the way to show them the way and I just know that I know that I know that at least at this season in my life that's exactly what God wants me to do
3: this is clearly a move of God that began with the hunger that one man had that eventually spread to uh, his cellmates uh, and eventually uh, hundreds of others within the uh, jail itself but this movement also went Uh, outside as we saw uh, men like Chris who had a call to reach their extended extended family. Uh, Scotty on the other hand uh, got connected with the church that sent him back into the prison to uh, pastor a new congregation where he was once incarcerated and there are uh, 150 to 200 guys that gather each week uh, Ten to twenty guys are, are giving their lives to the Lord. So, you know, from what we're talking about here, this is about a thousand people that we can chronicle. But really, uh, we're not going to know the actual numbers till we get to heaven.
1: And then God's just strategically placing people like Phil around my life to help me along my way to be able
2: to find what to help navigate me into what He wants me to do. We lived a hard life. It was like. It was like all bad, you know, like everybody's like, man, the Langwinsky family, they're all troublemakers, all bad, gang members, like man, and then we all flip the script. And now we all talk about the Lord and it's like, man, what happened to them? Dog good now.
1: It's it's just been amazing. It's been an incredible walk. And I just can't even believe what he's already done already, let alone what that he has ahead. What an amazing story. I'm sure you're ready to hear
0: from Phil how it all began.
3: I kind of stumbled onto Discovery because I ran out of things to talk about. Uh, knocked on the door one night and, you know, many of us were trained how to lead people to decision instead of leading them through Discovery. And these people weren't ready to decide on anything, but they had an interest. Mm-hmm. So after I, um, after, you know, they asked me, uh, what's the name of your church? I said, we don't have a name yet. Where are you meeting? Well, we don't have a place to meet. <laughs> I was done. And then I shared my story about how the Lord had come into my life. And um, they were drinking a gallon of wine. So um, when when we were done and the wine was gone, I suggested, uh, why don't we do this again next week? And um, everybody, they looked at each other and said, okay, that was our church's first vote, not to bring the wine next week. So we basically got got together, uh, took the Gospel of Mark, uh, had them read it, mm-hmm. and basically asked a few questions of it, and that's that's the format we used. Okay. Uh, it's developed a little bit over the years, but it's been the same. It's been the same process of find uh, hungry people who are open to you. Uh, and take them through a process of discovering who Jesus is because you're guiding them through the pages of Scripture.
0: And how do you find those people, Phil?
3: Well, I, uh, there's a couple of ways. Uh, I intentionally pray, God, help this seeker find some searchers. So I am programmed, Lord, I, I want to be looking, I want to find these people. And many times what happens with me is that um, they find me. In many cases, there are people who will say, you should talk to this person, and, and I talk to them, and that winds up being a person of peace. Um, Sometimes I'm just out somewhere, and uh, God will just open up a conversation with somebody, and I'll, you know, ding, ding. One of the things that's that's helped us, we've come up with kind of an acrostic to identify a person of peace, and it's the word horse. Uh, They're hungry spiritually. They're open relationally. They're responsive to discovery and discipleship. They share with the people around them, Mm -hmm. and they emerge in leadership. And uh, we see this pattern in Scripture, and we we kind of see it in the people that we meet. So we're looking for those those spiritually hungry people, and part of what we do is to try to go to places where we're going to find them. Mm -hmm. Those people that are going through difficulty more often have their ears open than those that are just, you know, sipping a brew somewhere.
0: Okay, and one, one of that places for you has been the prison system. Yes. How, how did that open up?
3: That opened up, um, I had mentioned that sometimes people ask. Uh, my son told me about a friend of his that was in jail and said that this guy wanted to meet with me. So we started getting together, and uh, we'd meet in a visitation uh, area one-on-one, personally, no gas between us, and for about 20 minutes, we'd have a chance to talk together. So after a short period of time, this guy really, you know, and we'd study a passage of scripture together, and um, then he would go back to his his, his pod, and uh, the guys thought he was, uh, he was an informant because he was meeting with this guy. And he says, No, no, no. He's like, you know, he's like, he's like a pastor. And so these guys would say, Okay, what do you talk about? So he'd just tell them. What he learned, he told them. And that's how it started. So um, I got very excited that he began bringing people to meet with me. Guy says, "Can I meet with him? Can I meet with him?" And so they started literally lining up to come and see me. And the uh, administration shut it down because it was taking too much time in a visitation booth, and uh, lawyers needed it. So they said, "You can only meet with one person a week." And I thought that was um, that was a real disappointment to me. But what it actually was, was God uh, saying, no, I've got a better way of doing this. And so then I would simply concentrate on discipling Donnie, and then he'd be the one going back. And uh, it really took hold when uh, one day we were talking about baptism, and Donnie said, yeah, I think I'd like to do that. So uh, he went back. And guys, same thing. What did you talk about today? So he teaches them from the Bible what baptism is. And so within two weeks, he had 10 men saying, I, I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to be baptized. Wow. So um, they had a little inflatable pool at the prison for these, at the jail for these purposes. So we had our first group of guys. Uh, since it's a county jail, people move on. They either go home or they move on to prison. And Donnie was moving on to prison. He was sentenced to 12 years. And um, so we realized that somebody else had to take over. His, his bunkmate, who was facing a bunch of years, uh, got involved in the studies and he became, he became a follower of Jesus. And so he became like an apprentice to Donnie. And when Donnie left and went to prison, then Billy took over. And then Billy would lead the group, and I would meet with Billy. And so I, we would teach these guys from the Bible. They would then go back, lead guys to Christ, form a group, and get them ready to be baptized. This happened for probably a period of two years before we heard anything about uh, church planning movements or discovery Bible studies, you know, before it became an emphasis within CRM. So we had a two year track record before there were any trainings or anything going on. So you just stumbled into it. Yeah. Like I said, it wasn't my brilliance would have brought us in a totally different direction. I would have been satisfied to sit back and let these guys line up all day long. Hmm. But what happened is that um, this uh, multiplied uh, 15 different generations in that one pot. So you'd have a new leader who formed a new, a new group Raise up an apprentice, he would move on and the apprentice would take over. And um, there were a couple of hundred guys, uh, and then it began to hit the women's side too, because some of their girlfriends were in, or wives were on the other side. And so it began to spread there, and it began to spread to other pods, guys getting in fistfights, being transferred to another pod and then he introduces me to the guys that he's now leading so it's like so you were fig- praying for your guys to get into fist fights i didn't they didn't need any help <laughs> you know it just you know for some guys it for some guys it came naturally
0: so what are they doing when they sit down to read the bible what does that look like
3: um after a while what I, what i was doing was um I would have conversations with Donnie. We we would read a passage. I'd ask him about it, and one of the things that helped is that I, I'd take a pen or pencil and I'd I'd draw a diagram right inside the Bible that illustrated this principle. And they would take our conversation, the scripture, and the little diagram back, and that really helped, you know, as they as they were sharing that, and so we. We basically put together a, a series of um, discovery Bible studies based upon commands of Jesus. An idea I stole from you, by the way.
0: Which I stole from George Patterson.
3: And then uh, I think another idea I stole from you was uh, the stories of hope from the New Testament. We had packaged it into uh, 10 stories of hope. Uh, seven, seven, uh, discussions that Jesus had and three parables. Mm -hmm. And we had come up with an acrostic to help teach it in the, to help teach discovery in the prison. S is for scripture. Read it and say it in your own words. O is for observe. What does it say about people? And what does it say about God? Uh, a is for application. What are you going to do about it this week? And P is a person to share it with. So, um, we've actually had guys that were in solitary confinement, uh, in in shackles, visit with me and take a little piece of paper out of their sock that had SOAP and what they what they were learning.
0: Wow. Uh,
3: one one example. Um, a guy that uh, we had been working, I had met um, a, probably a fourth-generation believer that started with Donnie. This gal told me about a friend of hers whose husband was in, was in prison, and he was in solitary, so I asked if I could go see him. And I went to see him, and, you know, I'm not sure if he was real interested in spiritual things. I I wasn't sure how well we were connected. But then I mentioned Donnie, the guy I started with, you know, several years before. He said, Donnie and I are good friends. So that that opened the door. I told him I'd send him a copy of the Ten Stories of Hope in the mail. He got it, and he started going through it himself. You know, there's nobody else in this, you know, five-by-eight cell. And he commits his life to the Lord. So how do you share something when you're in solitary? Mm. So he starts banging on the wall. And the guy next to says, what? He says, I'm going to be sending something to you. This really changed me. I want you to go over it. So they take, they call it kiting or Cadillac. They take a string, a triple A battery. They tied it around the Bible study and they swing it underneath the door till it reaches the next door. So the guy in in door number 2, I know this sounds like let's make a deal. This guy starts going through it and he gives his life to the Lord. So there's there's six cells. This happens five times over. Guy in cell number 2 then shares with number 3. Number 3 shares with number 4. Number 4 shares with number 5 so there's now five followers of Jesus you know I don't know if this qualifies as a group because there's a wall between them right Mm. go figure or a team because they can't you know so one day a guard is walking by and uh, puts his foot on the Bible studies and it's flying under his feet and he says got you guys now so uh, the guy Justin says yeah I guess you caught me now Doing Bible study, so the guy says what? So he picks it up, he unfolds it, and he says, "Now I've seen everything." He didn't give him sixty more days in the hole. He just said, "Listen, I come by here every half hour. Just to make sure you guys do this while I'm not here." So. Wow! So it's just an amazing, an amazing story, and and, and to me, typical ministry in jails and prisons is Christians coming to a jail or a prison and bringing something. And, you know, the guys sit there and passively accept it. The difference here is that rather than coming and bringing something, you're connecting with a person of peace who's a leader on the inside, and they're living for Jesus 24-7 and they're the ones that are sharing the ministry on the inside, and, and, and
0: that's the difference. And so, is this spreading to other prisons then?
3: That we know of uh, six other prisons within Indiana that it's spread to. Uh, one, is, one example, uh, a guy that we had met in the county jail went to a local prison. Uh, we met together. I gave him a Bible. He started going through it. We really didn't have a lot of time together. But when he got to prison, the Lord really got a hold of his life. His name's Scotty. And he wrote to me when he was getting out and says, I really want to walk with the Lord. To make a long story short, he, um, he marries a, a wonderful Christian gal when he gets out, becomes part of a church, just starts volunteering, The church sees what's happening in this guy's life, and so they bring him on as an intern. And then they hire him full-time. And so he's on the church staff now. The church staff says, we really believe God wants you to go back to the dorm where you were housed and to uh, lead a congregation. So they met with the, uh, the administration of the jail. And his, his rap sheet uh, was 27 pages long, the same number of pages as there are books in the New Testament. That's how I remember. And um, so he got turned down, but then the superintendent heard about it and opened the door. So he is now in actually – that's one of four places that he's in. And he was he was an inmate in all these places at this one jail they now have uh, there's a couple hundred guys a week that get together and Scotty says there's somewhere there's about 10 guys a week that are coming to to faith so over the last year and a half this man who responded to reading scripture and discovering what is said has 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 led about a thousand guys to, to faith during that time. Mm-hmm. And the prison has now um, given him permission to have three services on a Sunday with the potential of 1,650 men, 550 men per service to come to their largest gathering. So here's another example. It's a leader from the inside ministering to two men on the inside. So... um and we just found out about another one the other uh, last month I was meeting with uh, one of the first guys that uh, got out and did a discovery Bible study with his family found out that a guy they prayed for while he was in jail is now pastoring the congregation and has started a ministry to reach out to uh, gang members and so this guy's you know so here he he finds the Lord through some fellow inmates, and is now on the front lines, you know, doing the same thing. Mm. And are
0: any of the prisoners or any of the groups where people have come to faith forming as church in the prisons?
3: They have, um, what they do, they form a group right in the cell. And they don't meet once a week, they meet every day. And they, they'll study the scripture every day, and they'll have a prayer time at night, what they call a prayer call, and they'll many more people will be part of that prayer call than the study, and it's an opportunity to minister in prayer for just a 15-minute period to the other guys. Uh, and, you know, some of the leaders will meet individually with people between the Bible studies and the prayer times, so... It's it's more like a community than a church mm-hmm. because it's, it's life on life, mm. 24-7. But, um, you know, study groups, groups have formed, and sometimes they'll have church where these guys can go.
0: Mm. Okay. And you're saying it's also touching their families, those who've got families on the outside.
3: Yeah, our backyard which is about 50 feet to my left or right uh, is where we do baptisms and um, when we have family members reached through the inmates that get out and we do baptisms we have, well we call them outmates <laughs> we have the outmates baptize their own family members and friends I don't do it mm-hmm. my job is to fill a I'm the pool boy. That's you know that's mm-hmm. my job. Uh, the first the first discovery study we had was with Chris, who was one of the earliest guys that came to faith as we were meeting together. And um, he wanted me when he got out. He wanted me to marry him and him and his fiance. And huge huge family. And uh, you know I married him in some beautiful park somewhere, and all his family members saying. Yeah, we're going to come to your church, blah, blah, blah. And I hear that all the time. So, and I don't have, you know, it's not like that have a building or something. So we started Discovery Bible Study with Chris and Kelly. And, and the first one we had uh, was interesting. It was them. And they had invited people, but nobody showed up. But there was a, a knock at the door. And there were, there were two guys there and a gal. And they had a case of beer in their hands, so they joined the study. They came in. They didn't feel right sitting in the study and consuming all the beer, so they stood in the kitchen where there was like a retaining wall. They drank all the beers in there, and then they came and they joined. They joined the study. And as we're going through this passage, you know, we asked, you know, if there was, if Jesus was here and he could do something for you right now, and the gal said, I would. I would want him to change my life, clean up my life. And she just starts telling about her herself, and she says, I'm a stripper, and I really want to do something else with my life. So that was our first Discovery Bible study out of jail. Two guys had gotten out of prison that day, showed up with a case of beer. Uh, I don't know if was, you've ever had the experience, you uh, invite guys to study the Bible together, and they say, is there gonna be beer and strippers? There's usually not, but now I can say, yeah. well, it's happened before. It can happen again, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's right. so uh, within within the next couple of weeks, Chris's uh, father and sister come to Christ in the same night, and then uh, brothers and, and friends and, and neighbors. So it, it really spread through through this, and so. Um, on a monthly basis, what we began doing is we'd have different discovery Bible studies. we bring them together, and we'd have an event once a month at our place. Mm-hmm. And that usually would be uh, food, testimonies, uh, sharing, sharing the Word together, and then baptism. I really think the best way to get started is, is specifically praying. God, bring me to people that you've been preparing. And then look for those opportunities, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has created beforehand. So I, I really think that God has created opportunities for us to step into on a daily basis. We we tend to miss them. Uh, I think another thing is be prepared to share your story, the elevator version of it. Um, one of the things that we've done with some of our uh, some of our inmates is take one word that describes your life before you came to Christ, one word that describes your life since you started started follow Him, and write one or two sentences about that. And so that that's a good thing. So I think sharing our story then gives us an opportunity to lead to uh, stories from the Bible, and you know just just say that people, you know, my life has really been transformed. Um, uh, Why don't we get together next week? And um, let's look at just one of these passages together. And they're either going to say yes or no. There has to be the invitation. This is what I find. So many people, they do so many things, but they never invite people. You've got to invite people.
0: That's all we've got time for today. Make sure you visit movements.net for links to the resources that Phil mentions, as well as a link to the video that the audio report of his ministry was taken from. And I want to say thanks to our good friends at Church Resource Ministries for making that available. I'm Steve Addison, and this has been the Movements Podcast.